Recently, I had an experience with credit card fraud that caused so much unnecessary stress and anxiety. I spent hours on the phone and in chats with my credit card company. I had to get two different cards before the fraud stopped and I was so worried about what was gonna happen to my money in my bank account. And I sometimes have the fear that it's gonna happen again, right? And that's why I'm so excited to introduce You Are The Healer's newest sponsor, Aura, an app for protecting online data and personal information. Cleaning up my information not only helps reduce the amount of spam I get, but it protects me from hackers who could use this information to help them access things like my social media accounts, bank accounts, and other sensitive information. Protecting yourself and your personal information is a form of self-care. I swear. Go to my sponsor, ara.com healer to get a 14-day free trial and have peace of mind knowing your information is safe. Again, that's ara, A-U-R-A, dot com slash healer for your two-week free trial. Therapy has been so largely beneficial on my mental health journey, and I'm really excited to announce that this podcast is sponsored by BetterHelp. If you know me, you've probably heard me say that therapy is mandatory because there's absolutely nothing wrong with seeking help, and I think that every single person who walks this earth needs it. So I'm really excited to be connected with BetterHelp and offer affordable and accessible therapy um, the link will be in my show notes, or you can go to betterhelp.com slash healer. That's better, H-E-L-P.com slash healer. Welcome to the You Are the Healer podcast. This is Sydney Rindernecht, a psych nurse and your host, here to educate, support, and motivate and encourage you to be your own healer and to take care of yourself as we dive into different mental health topics. Let's get into the episode. Welcome back to the You Are the Healer podcast. Thank you so much for joining. How are you feeling? How are you doing? I hope you're doing well. And if not, sending you all of my love. I'm going to start my episodes with a little check-in, how I'm doing, a high, a low, and then what I'm growing through this week, what I'm learning this week. So my low for these couple days, honestly, this whole season of my life is just everything is really uncertain. Everything is really up in the air. Um, I might be getting a new job soon. I might not be. I might start travel nursing. I might be moving wherever travel nursing takes me. I might be staying in Colorado. I have no idea. So it's just unsettling having so much change. Um, I read, I'm reading this book right now called 20 something, 20 everything. A little corny, but it's helpful. And, um, there was one, exercise where it said, um, send all these questions to your mom and ask her for her answers when she was in her twenties. And one of the questions was like, what was the hardest thing about being in your twenties? And my mom said, change, like everything was changing all the time. And I feel that really hard right now. I have experienced so much change recently and I could reframe it and think, you know, it's really exciting. Like the world's my oyster. Anything is possible. Um, but it, it is, you know, causing quite a bit of anxiety. So that is my low. And then my high, I'm going to share two highs. Um, so my high is that by the time this episode releases, I will be in Europe with my best friend in the entire freaking world. Hannah, if you're listening, Hey, um, so I'm really excited. I love to travel and I just feel like such an adult. Like I'm just getting up and I'm going and that's lovely. Um, and my next high is I, I'm a huge fan of the show survivor. Like I've applied already. I mean, obviously, but I just, I love it. And this is the first time I'm watching it live. 
And so um, I'm really excited because I'm actually about to watch the episode in a couple minutes. And um, that's just, it's just been really fun watching Survivor Live for the first time. So that's my low, that's my high. And something I'm learning this week, I say this week, but it's really like this, these last two weeks, right? Um, but I'm learning that rest is necessary. And this is a lesson I've learned before. Um, but I'm a very physically active person. I love anything with movement for the most part. Like I just, I'm athletic, I'm competitive. So right now I just have a lot on my plate with like physical activity. I'm training for a half marathon. I have a kickboxing membership. So I try to go to Muay Thai at least twice a week. I love to do yoga just for my mental health. And it's also snowboarding season. So I am like, go, go, go all the time. Like today I was planning on running six miles for my training. And I just was like, you know what? I don't necessarily feel like doing that. I need to rest. My body hurts. I literally yesterday did yoga. I snowboarded and then I went to Muay Thai. And I'm like, I need to chill out. And it's okay to chill out. Nothing's going to happen if I have a rest day. You know what I mean? So that's kind of how I'm doing. Um, and this week, I keep saying this week, I gotta, I gotta figure out a thing. Y'all are watching me learn how to be a podcaster. So that's really fun. Um, mistakes are part of life and no one even cares. So we're talking about mindfulness in this episode and I'm very excited for it because I, I'm such a nerd about anything like mental health, but mindfulness is something that like, I wish I could teach everybody and that's kind of why I wanted to start off with it because it's simple, but it's very, very effective and um, it's helped me a lot and I teach it to my patients all the time. So let's get into it. We're going to talk about what is mindfulness. We're going to talk about why you would benefit or why people need mindfulness. We're going to talk about barriers that make it hard to practice mindfulness. We're going to talk about my experience with it uh, in my life and at work. Then we're going to go into the pillars of mindfulness and lastly, how to incorporate it into our lives. So what is mindfulness? My, my personal understanding and definition of it is basically mindfulness is grounding you in the present moment. Um, I looked up a definition from psychology today because, you know, we're doing research for this podcast. So psychology today says mindfulness is a state of active, open attention to the present. This state is described as observing one's thoughts and feelings without judging them as good or bad. So it's basically just being present. Um, and it's really simple. And that's why I feel like it's an easy topic to, to teach and to learn about. Um, and then you can apply mindfulness to like everything. So um, a lot of times when uh, people think of mindfulness, they automatically think of meditation. But mindfulness is, it's, it's a way of living. It's not an activity. And you can apply mindfulness to any activity. So typically there's like the mindfulness meditation, and that is a really good way to train your brain to practice mindfulness. But once you learn those key components of it, any activity you have can be mindful. So let's get into why we need it. So I read this book called The Power of Now by Eckhart Tolle. It was literally life-changing. I read it at a really difficult part in, in my life um, where I was really struggling with depression and anxiety and just living in my head. Um, and I really, really would encourage you to read it. It's a little, um, 
I don't know how to describe it. Like it's kind of hard to digest. So I listened to the audiobook, which was really helpful. Um, Cause then I could like pause it and rewind it if I didn't get something, but it's one of those books that just has like golden nuggets every other sentence. And so I feel like you could read it like yearly and still get something new out of it every single time. So I've only read it once, um, but I read it in college and it basically says it simplifies everything. It makes everything really simple. So I have thoughts about this, but in the book, he talks about how depression is basically living in the past and anxiety is living in the future. I think that's a bit of an oversimplification, but if you really think about it, like, I think that's pretty accurate. So depression, you think like ruminating in the past, like life is so bad that this thing happened and anxiety, you're worrying about something that hasn't happened yet. So the power of now is basically about the power of now living in the current moment and mindfulness is something that takes us into the present, takes us back into the current moment and appreciate it as it's happening. Um, and this book also talks about like the present moment is the only thing that's real. Um, and to me, I'm like facts, right? <laughs> I know it could probably sound kind of out there, but the past has already happened and it's moved on. So like it, it's, it's done with thinking about it. Isn't going to do anything. Okay. And if you're thinking about the past, you're taking yourself out of what is real in this moment and you're focusing on something else. Same thing with anxiety. You could be worrying about something that is literally like not going to happen at all. Or we could all like get hit by a meteor and then none of the stuff we're worrying about is even relevant. So that's kind of what I mean when I say like, it's not real. It hasn't happened yet. And you have no idea how things are going to happen. So that's why living in the present moment is so powerful because you can appreciate stuff as it's happening. And there's also a bunch of research about mindfulness and, and the benefits that it has. So mindfulness decreases depression and anxiety. It decreases stress and reactivity. So if you're able to take a second, pause, observe your thoughts, you won't be so inclined to react on really polarizing emotions or um, that kind of thing. Uh, mindfulness also improves focus sleep, memory, and relationship satisfaction. So, I mean, all of these different things I could go into. So the focus is something that you'll train up to, and I'll talk about this a little bit later. Um, mindfulness with your sleep. I feel like so many people now have trouble sleeping, and it, it just helps you. Like, you know, whenever you're, like, laying in bed and your thoughts are just go, 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 mindfulness helps you slow your thoughts down, basically and just pay attention to them and not get so like taken away by them. It's like mindfulness makes you the observer. That makes sense. Um, memory is because, or mindfulness improves your memory because when you're fully in the present moment, you're more able to commit things to memory. You're more observant. You're more aware of what's going on and you're less living in your head. And then mindfulness will also help us bring us back into our bodies and out of those negative experiences. So like how often do you notice, maybe you don't notice at all, or maybe you're very aware of this, but like if you're doing something, so I'll use the example, like let's say you're at a concert and if you're not being mindful, you can be thinking about something. And usually I find, maybe this is me, but when my mind's wandering off, it's usually not like somewhere super positive. It's usually for me, like my favorite thing, not favorite thing, my habits, my familiarity, what I'm comfortable with is living in the past. And it's going over things that have already happened. And it's usually, I will think of the 
negative experiences that have already happened. So let's say you're at a concert and you're thinking about like that one time you were really awkward um, or you said something mean or uh, you're basically just overthinking about something and you're at a concert and you're not even present in what's going on. You're thinking about something negative that has already happened that is in the past. So mindfulness will help get us out of those negative experiences. And you, the same could be said for anxiety. Let's say you're you're at a concert and you're worrying, oh my gosh, what if I get a parking ticket? Oh my gosh, what time am I going to go to bed tonight? Am I going to be able to fall asleep tonight? And you're like making yourself miserable basically with your own internal thought process. So whereas if we apply mindfulness, we are able to be present. We are able to more fully experience life. We are able to live more fully because we are literally getting the most out of every single experience. And that's uh, this reason I feel like is the best reason for mindfulness. Yeah, it'll make us sleep better. Yeah, you know, whatever. But the fact of being able to enjoy life and experience it more fully is so powerful and important. And I feel like we all really need it because, well, that takes us right into the barriers of mindfulness. So uh, there's there's so many barriers to mindfulness, especially in our day and age. Um, I don't want to be a social media hater. However, <laughs> I think social media ooh, takes us out of the present moment all the time. Social media is a way that we get sucked into our phones and our phones kind of tune out the outside world around us. If you think like, think of a time where you're talking to someone and they're on their phone and they like look up and you know that they have no idea what you just said that is a huge barrier to being in the present moment being mindful is your phone is literally like this like digital pacifier that tunes out the world um and like let's say you're just waiting in line somewhere you're waiting in line you have a couple minutes so you pull out your phone you go on instagram and you're literally like sucked in to this like digital screen that isn't even real okay like i could go on a tangent about this but i won't but you're paying attention to something that is entirely not in the present moment. You're looking at someone's posts or whatever, and you have no idea what's going on in real life around you in that moment. And there's so much to be said about being aware of what's going on and being present around you. Like you have no idea what you're missing out on if you're tuned in on your phone all the time. Um, I'm going to cut it off there. I could go much longer, but social media, phones, huge barrier to mindfulness. Another barrier is most of us, at least in America, we get no mental health education. Um, so basically you're only taught things from your parents. And so like, I know I was never really taught mindfulness and it's not something that's taught in schools. So if you don't know any better, you're going to operate, you know, in the distracted mode that a lot of society operates in now. Like you're not, I, I feel like mindfulness is very, um, intentional and present and almost slow and that's not really valued right now so if you aren't intentional about learning it you're just going to kind of operate without mindfulness um another barrier is if you're someone who's really restless or um like you have a hard time focusing you might be really adverse to trying mindfulness and mindfulness practices because like sitting down and meditating sounds miserable if you are restless and like your thoughts move all over the place or maybe you have ADHD or something like that. Um, you're not going to want to sit down and pay attention to your thoughts. But as you practice mindfulness, it does get better. You do have 
more and more ability to focus and to sit and and to be still. Um, it's just something like anything, it takes practice to build up to it. Um, I think a lot of people use the excuse that they're too busy to do something like mindfulness. Like, oh, I'm too busy. I can't meditate for 10 minutes every day. Um, which if you know me, like (laughs) anytime someone says that they're too busy, I literally like roll my eyes. It's so triggering for me. It's like, we all have the same amount of time in a day. Like you're not too busy. You just don't want to make time for whatever it is that you're giving this excuse for. But a lot of people, I mean, practicing mindfulness doesn't sound very exciting. So a lot of people will use excuses as to why they can't. Um, and then another reason this is why I didn't do mindfulness practices for a long time is if you have a really polarizing thought process, like you or me growing up and had a lot of cognitive distortions, you just have like trauma you don't want to remember, um, just like being in your head isn't enjoyable, you're not going to want to sit down and face yourself and sit down and pay attention to your thoughts or how you're feeling. Because the easier thing to do is to avoid it and to distract yourself. And I mean, there's a million things that you could do to avoid yourself. And mindfulness is being present and sitting with yourself, which isn't fun, but it is literally life-changing. So that's why we're talking about it. Okay. So what do I know about mindfulness? What experience do I have? So I work at an inpatient psych hospital now, and every weekday we have different themes for the group therapy sessions. So, um, There'll be recreation therapists and music therapists and people that come throughout the day and lead groups um, for the patients to go to. And so every Monday, our theme is Mindfulness Monday. So I'm lucky enough that I am able to do groups. Um, Every shift, there's like a nursing group. And I really like to do it because like mental health education and just connecting with people. I just, it's my thing. So I usually get assigned group. Um. So usually I'll do like a body scan and I'll, I'll kind of go through, um, with my patients, like start with your feet, feel how your feet feel on the ground, move up, notice if there's any pain, you know, that kind of thing. Um, I have a really awesome coworker who does great groups and he gets candy from the cafeteria and he leads like a mindful eating group in the morning. Um, it's basically just teaching people how to feel present in the moment and in their body. And there's a bunch of different exercises you can do to get there. Um, There's a really cool website that I use for all my groups. It's called therapistaid.com and you can search worksheets. You can search categories. I mean, they have literally everything. They have videos, they have um, topics for children's, adolescents, adults. They have um, different topics. They have communication, emotions, uh, self-esteem, all this different stuff. And so you can, you know, kind of find whatever's relevant to what you want to help yourself with, or in my case, help my patients with. Um, And then I would print out a worksheet and we'll go over it together. Um, And that's like a pretty standard group that I like to do. Um, So let's get into the pillars of mindfulness. So this is basically all of the important, uh, it's, I mean, pillars, right? (laughs) Um, Basically what makes up mindfulness. So there's seven. And I learned this from, I mean, I've heard of all of these things before, but I learned this all the pillars from a radio headspace episode. If you're not familiar, radio headspace is like a quick daily podcast. I love it. Um, and they had a week on mindfulness. And so that's kind of where I learned about all of this. And then I did a little research, um, further. So, and I also learned all of this stuff. I had like a free headspace membership in college and then I got a free year at work. So like 
I was in the Headspace app. I really miss it. I don't have it right now, but I would highly recommend. I mean, it's free um, and there's like free meditations on it too. But honestly, like there's so many resources for mindfulness practices that I'll get into. Um, So I don't want to say like, oh, go buy it because there's plenty of free things and I'm all about free stuff. If you know me, I like to save money. So anyways, pillars of mindfulness. So we have the first one is non-judging. That is a big part of mindfulness. So this basically means you are observing your thoughts and your feelings. You notice when your mind wanders and you bring it back without any judgment. So you're basically the observer of your thoughts, but you're coming at it from like a loving, compassionate place, not like a judgmental place. So you're not, you know, saying, oh, why are you thinking that? Like you're supposed to be focusing on your breathing right now. Um, And instead, non-judging is kind of uh, meeting yourself with compassion. So maybe you're sitting in a meditation and your mind is going all over the place. You can say, you know, I've noticed I'm having a harder time focusing today. And you're not judging yourself. You're not being mean to yourself or beating yourself up because you can't focus that day. Um, Basically observing, not judging yourself. The next pillar of mindfulness is patience. This one is the most challenging for me because I'm not a very patient girl. Um, So it's kind of just like patience with practicing a new skill. So it's going to take time to build up the ability to focus and to build up, you know, the mindset switch because so much of our lives today is like, go, go, go. Like you need to be doing something like, like, it's, it's very much like your worth is equated to your productivity. And so if you're not doing anything, it's like you feel bad about yourself kind of. So patience is really important in mindfulness because you're not rushing to the next thing. You're sitting with yourself in the moment and you're taking time to kind of explore yourself and your head. Okay. So the next one is beginner's mind. So beginner's mind is kind of like the idea that you're starting a new practice, you're starting a new routine. So there's a lot to learn. And it's basically like looking at mindfulness and your thoughts and noticing everything like you're seeing things for the first time. And you can also take beginner's mind into any experience. So it's like if you're going to the grocery store, it's like going as if you've never been before, like you're a total beginner. And it helps you become a lot more observant of all of the different things instead of just like zoning out and not paying attention. Um, Beginner's mind also, um, and and a component of it is not letting your past sway your current. So don't let like your past experiences influence how you feel in the moment. It's very much like accepting and embracing what is right now. Um, Then there's trust. So trust is really big. Um, Basically trusting yourself and your feelings. And when you notice yourself feeling a certain way, like lean into that, lean into your intuition and your own experience. Um, I like to say all the time, especially to my patients, you know yourself better than anybody else. Like no one on this earth has lived in your body as long as you have. No one's had your experiences. No one has those gut instincts that you do. So listen to yourself. And mindfulness and all of the activities and practices of it really strengthens your self-trust and learning how to hear yourself, know where you're at, 
and, and lean into that. And I mean, no one else can do that for you. So it's really powerful. I think self-trust, maybe I'll do an episode on in the future because that is like, it's so important and it's also really easy to not have it at the same time. So mindfulness helps us strengthen that. The next pillar, pillar number five is non-striving. Um, so it's basically like doing nothing is what non-striving is. That's how I understand it. Um, in mindfulness practice, you're not working towards a goal. You're not go, go, go. You're not doing something. You're basically being present with things as they are. And you're having a whale <laughs> You have awareness while basically doing nothing. And it kind of teaches you that like, it's okay to do nothing. It's okay to, which is ironic because this week I'm learning, it's okay to rest. It's okay to sit in awareness um, and not be going after a goal all of the time, which is exhausting. Okay. Then we have acceptance. Acceptance is basically allowing things to be, not trying to change or resist something and simply allowing what is. So that is a big component of mindfulness as well, because the not trying to change or resist something, um, it, it kind of frees you a little bit. Um, you know, there's, there's, unenjoyable experiences like throughout life you know that's not necessarily something that that you can change and mindfulness is basically just like being okay with whatever happens um if you think about like monks they did like meditation retreats I I don't even know like I just have heard of the story of like monks walking on hot coals and like breathing through it and just like basically being okay with it um that's kind of what acceptance is. I mean, obviously like you don't want to like inflict pain on yourself or anything like that, but if you're in an unenjoyable experience, the pillar of acceptance helps you accept your situation and and not have all that mental energy be wasted on resisting or wishing things were different. And the last pillar of mindfulness is letting go. This one's big and freeing and wonderful. Letting go is basically when you're practicing mindfulness, you're observing how you feel, how you think, you're observing your experience, and you're just letting it pass. So basically, you're from the observer role and you're thinking thoughts are neutral. The thoughts carry no weight. They're not, they don't mean anything good or bad. Um, and letting go is like, you're not holding on to these thoughts. You're just watching them pass. Um, and it's also the same thing of non-attachment. So. Um, you're not holding on to those to those thoughts, feelings, experiences. And something that I like to do to visualize letting go for people um, and myself is picturing leaves on a stream. Um, if you've like been in the mental health field, you probably have heard of this. It's a little corny, but it's really helpful, especially if you've never heard of it. It's basically, um, so you sit and you close your eyes and you just focus on your breathing and you observe any thought that comes up. And whenever you have a thought, picture it being pasted onto a leaf and then watching the thought on the leaf kind of float along the stream and go out of your vision. And so whenever you're meditating or doing something that you want to focus on your thoughts, you picture that and then it helps you visualize just letting them go, letting them pass, not carrying any attachment to them and just kind of embracing what is and letting it be. So I really like that exercise. Um, to kind of help my thoughts pass without any attachment. Okay, so that was the seven pillars of mindfulness. Um, and now we're gonna get into a couple exercises of 
couple mindful exercises to help get you there. So um, the most common one um, that usually like when I do groups on mindfulness, I ask people like, oh, what do you know? This is like the first thing that comes up. Um, the five senses exercise. So it's basically um, helps ground you by helping you pay attention to the present moment through your senses. So you look for five things that you can see. So, um, I mean, you can do it right now as you're listening. Like right now, five things I can see. I can see my couch. I can see my cat running amok. She is on one right now. I can see my cute little Gryffindor mug. Should I say my roommates? Thanks, Brendan. Um, I can see a vase of flowers and I can see my water bottle. Okay. Now four things you can touch. Um, so I can feel my sweatshirt on me. I can feel my soft little fuzzy slippers on. I can feel the chair underneath me. I can feel the cold countertop, um, on my fingertips and then three things I can hear. I can hear my chair kind of rustling around. I can hear myself chatting it up right now. Uh, and my cat's little jingle bell. Um, two things I can smell. Honestly, I have a hard time with this one because <laughs> like, I can't really smell anything right now, but if you have something in front of you, you can smell it. Like I can smell, I have some tea. I can smell my tea. Um, and then one thing you can taste, which is also kind of hard, like if you're not <laughs> eating anything, but whatever, you get the point. So basically that exercise just brings you into the present moment. And it's really good if you're like kind of in a panic state, like you're like really like losing it. It brings you right back down, especially like for me, just feeling the feeling of my feet on the ground is very grounding and very helpful to me. Um, a couple other mindfulness exercises. We have deep breathing um, and meditation. Those kind of go hand in hand. Um, but even just like taking three deep breaths and really paying attention to that, um, I find super helpful. Um, and something that I've recently been doing is like really focusing on my exhale. So if you take a deep breath in through your nose and then take like three times the amount to exhale, it literally like lowers your blood pressure. Like I can just feel myself calming down. Um, so that's, that's really nice. And even just paying attention to like where you're, where you feel your breath. Are you breathing into your chest? Are you breathing into your belly? Um, what is the, the rate of your breathing? How deep is it? Is it shallow? Things like that. Um, I mean, it just takes you focusing on, um, anything else and like focusing on your breathing is a really good way to ground you and, and kind of regulate yourself. Then we have meditation. I love meditation. I feel like some people are really against it, but I meditate at least 10 minutes every single day. This is meditation and journaling are like my two favorite coping skills. Meditation, I do it every morning um, to kind of like get me excited for the day, kind of check in with myself, see how I'm feeling. Um, but when I'm at work, I get like ideally three 10 minute breaks and then a 30 minute break. Um, but I will usually always at least meditate for 10 minutes on one break. And then literally my entire 30 minute break, I will sit there and I'll meditate and I'll come back onto like onto the unit to work. And I'm so chill. I'm like, what do you guys need? Like, I'm just refreshed. It is so good for me. And I also deal with a lot of headaches and like physical pain. Um, and I find that if I sit and I meditate, my pain really, really decreases. Um, I've also done, I, so I used to work on a women's unit. Um, a women's psych unit. And I had a lot of people with chronic pain. I mean, it was ridiculous the amount of like um, different disease processes that these people also had with their mental health. So I had a lot of people with chronic pain. And there was one group that I had with a bunch of people with chronic pain. And I was like, let's do a pain meditation. And literally all of them said it was helpful. So I'm obviously very biased because I have a huge mental health like 
very engaged in a bunch of different modalities, but I highly recommend trying it. So with meditation, there is endless stuff on YouTube. That's usually what I meditate on. You have to deal with ads and stuff though. There's also this app that I love. It's called Insight Timer. It's free. Um, they have a bunch of different stuff. They have guided meditations. They have sleep uh, sounds. They have even just like a timer with like bells if you just want to meditate like on your own for a couple minutes. That's what I've been doing recently and I really like it. Um, but then different mindfulness exercises, you can literally do anything and apply mindfulness to it. Like I said, it's a way of living. It's not necessarily like a thing that you do. It's like how you do things, if that makes sense. So you can go for a mindful walk. Um, this is something I really like to do, um, to kind of ground myself. If I'm like, like in bed on TikTok, just like not feeling like a real human being, I will leave my phone at home and I will go outside. I'll go on like a just like a walk around the block and I'll just be really mindful. I'll notice the sun or maybe it's cloudy and the temperature and all the people on walks too, or the cars. And it really just like, it just helps you feel so much better. I don't, I don't even necessarily know what it does, but, um, that even the act of going on a walk too really helps me. Um, then we have mindful eating. Mindful eating is something that I've been learning this whole year and it is changing the game for me. Oh my gosh. I, so basically with mindful eating, I feel like I could really go <laughs> into a tangent about this too, but um, it, it's just being aware of all of the things that involve eating. So before you sit down to eat, notice how am I feeling right now? Like emotionally, how am I feeling? Uh, am I angry? Am I neutral? Am I happy? You know, whatever. And then you can kind of notice if you sit down to eat whenever you're in a certain emotional state. So I really avoid food when I'm anxious because I'm like nauseous and stuff too. So I found it really helpful whenever I sit down to eat, like asking myself how I'm feeling and then assessing your hunger level before you eat too. And you don't even need to have food in front of you to do this. You can ask yourself the other day, am I hungry? I don't know. So, um, and as you practice different like mental health techniques, you can get more into your body because for a while I had a really, really hard time telling if I was hungry or not because I ignored my body's like hunger cues and fullness cues for a really long time because I had disordered eating. Um, but basically just asking yourself like, how hungry am I right now? Like zero to 10, 10 being like, I could eat a horse, zero being like, I'm so full, I can't even look at food. Um, and then as you sit down to eat, then you just are really present with your food in your senses and you engage in like the different tastes and the different flavors and the smell. And, um, I've honestly found it like, I love food. Food is wonderful. And I found that applying mindful eating to food has made it so much more enjoyable for me. I just really like enjoy it so much more because I'm present and I'm not sitting on my phone while I'm eating, or I'm not like thinking about something else or just scarfing down my food. I'm really being intentional and I'm taking a long time to eat. And that way I can notice, cause it takes about 20 minutes for um, food to reach your stomach for you to feel full. So I take at least 20 minutes now when I eat. And then I ask myself throughout as I'm eating, like, am I enjoying this? Like what flavor do I notice the most? And um, how hungry am I now? And then I try to like set down my fork in between every bite and really like be present with the flavors as I'm chewing. And it's just like a longer experience, which has been really nice because I enjoy like the process of eating. And it it just makes it more of this like special thing versus something that I'm just like going through the motions. Um, so mindful eating has literally changed my life. And I realized so much that I was eating when I wasn't even really hungry 
Like, for example, right now, I made dinner and I had like a sandwich and some fries and I ate like half of it. And I sat down the other side because I'm like, I don't think I'm hungry right now. And I'm looking at the other side of the sandwich. I'm like, I'm not hungry enough for that. Like, I'm not even hungry. So I'm going to save it. and I'm going to have it tomorrow. And it's fine. Like, and I'm listening to my body. I'm not overeating. Just really nice. Or undereating, you know, applies both ways. Okay, that's it on mindful eating. <laughs> um, I explained the body scan earlier, um, but that is a really good exercise, especially like right before bed. You can either start with your head or your feet, whatever you feel inclined to do, and just check in with yourself through your physical body. And if you start at your head, just like go down and like pay attention to the sensations. Notice like if there's any pain that comes up. Maybe if the pain changes as you take a couple of deep breaths. And just going down your body. Um, this is something I like to do before bed. There's also something called like progressive muscle relaxation. And that's basically where you'll like clench um, your muscles. Um, I like to start that with my feet and then go up. And then you'll clench them for a couple seconds and then you'll relax. And then you do that throughout your whole body. And it helps you fall asleep so fast. That's something I do if I'm I'm a really good sleeper. Not to brag, not to do my own horn, but I sleep really well. I think it's probably because I meditate all the time. I can really turn my brain off. But um, if I'm having a hard time falling asleep, I'll do a progressive muscle relaxation and I'm all good. And there's also like things on YouTube. You just like look up progressive muscle relaxation sleep and you can play it and it guides you through it. And then you'll probably be asleep by the time it ends. Well, I don't want to make assumptions. You could have a whole different, you know, sleeping situation, but that really helps me. Okay. And then the last um, exercise I want to talk about is mindful listening. Okay. I wish that I could just teach everybody this because (laughs) I'm biased because I, I take pride in being a really good listener. And I notice so easily when other people aren't listening well, if it's, you know, to me or to other people, it really irks me um, because I really value when other people talk. It's, I really like to listen. Um, But there's like, like we talked about, there's a lot of barriers, you know, to paying attention and mindfulness and all that. So mindful listening is basically a way to listen to somebody else without your own judgment, criticism, or interrupting that person while they're talking. Um, And there's a lot of different ways. Well, there's exercises you can do to practice mindful listening, but a good one, um, I think I did this in public speaking. I've done it before, but it's like you have a partner and they talk for three minutes uninterrupted. You can't say anything. And then it switches and then you talk for three minutes. And it's basically an exercise to help you become aware of your thoughts while somebody else is talking. So you're aware of your reactions and your beliefs and your emotions that hinder communication and that get in the way of people communicating with you. So that exercise, I remember doing it and I was like, oh my gosh, when people are talking, like my mind is going a thousand miles a minute. I'm thinking of what I feel, what I think, how I would react. And I'm not actually listening to that person. So that's a really good exercise to really become a good listener and to be in the present moment with someone as they're speaking, which I think is very important. I think that is very important. Okay. So that's what we got for this week's episode. So we talked about mindfulness. We talked about what is it, why we need it, some barriers. We talked about my personal experience, my job in mindfulness, and my practices. We went through the pillars of mindfulness, and then we talked about some exercises. So I hope you guys took something 
took something new out of this episode. I hope that ideally you'll apply some aspects of mindfulness. Or maybe if you're like Sydney, that's cool. I already know all this stuff. Maybe you'll teach it to somebody else and then it'll be like this ripple effect and then we'll all be more present and enjoy our lives more. Like, wouldn't that be awesome? I have this huge smile on my face just because like, I love this stuff. Like I, I just, in a perfect world, there would be a course in school, elementary, middle school, high school. I mean, in college, you can take your own, you can pick your own classes and stuff, but ideally there would be a course where we learn all of this stuff. And then we have humans that are just more able to regulate themselves and help other people. And then the whole world is just a better place. And I just, I really care about this stuff. Okay. Like it's, gosh. Okay. So we'll wrap up. Thank you guys. So, 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 so much for listening. I am very grateful that you're here. I hope you learned something. I hope you take something away from this episode. It would mean the world to me if you shared this episode with someone that might benefit from it, which arguably I feel like everyone could learn a little bit about mindfulness. But anyways, share this episode if you feel inclined. Um, I would love a rating or a review. You know, we're still, we're learning the things, but it would be really great to have some five-star reviews on there. Um, And yeah, I just, I hope you're well until the next time I see you. I want to remind you that you are worth the effort it takes to heal. May you have peace. And until next time, may you be well. Quick disclaimer that all the views expressed in You Are the Healer are my own. They are not a substitute for any legal, professional, mental health advice. It is just educational purposes and me sharing my experiences. This podcast is not intended to replace any professional, medical, or mental health advice.